Welcome to Women of Substance today. You're going to be so blessed by my guest, uh, Reverend Pam Bollinger. And uh, we, we talk about some of the things we've done together in ministry as far as women's meetings, etc. Um, and she is a dynamic preacher and teacher of the Word of God. She's an author, and I encourage you to get her book. The name of it is God Has a Miracle with Your Name on It. And she is so involved in miracle working power in her services and uh, as she prays for people. So you'll really be blessed today. Um, we'll tell you all about uh, sh- uh, she and her husband pastored the church and everything. So uh, tune in, listen to all of it, because even at the end, she shares some powerful things about how to get through challenges and trauma in your life. And she shares honestly about some things she went through. So you'll be blessed because of it. God bless you today. Well, I want to welcome you today to Women of Substance. And I have a very special ministerial colleague and a dear friend. And her name is Pastor Pam Bollinger today. Hi, Pam. Hello, Dr. Scarlett. I am so delighted to be with you today. Well, I certainly am glad that you're here. We have had some times together, haven't we? Oh, we have. We, we've had some Holy Ghost hoedowns. <laughs> um, Pam and I have done some meetings, some women's meetings to, together here in the Tampa area. And uh, I'm, I just, I am so inspired by the healing power of God on you and just miracles that are demonstrated through you in people's lives. And I mean, we've seen them right there in the services. It's just been a beautiful thing. And I know that you not only have those in, in your services, but you you reach out to people all the time and have them in the grocery stores. <laughs> I do. I've had prayer lines in Dollar Tree before. <laughs> I love that. That's so beautiful. So, um, I know this is going to be good for everyone that's listening, and I'm I'm so glad that you're here. Pam is a preacher, a teacher, an author, and we'll talk about that too, and also sings. And uh, she has sung in our women's conference too, and really, really anointed. Um, and then, of course, I just said about the healing anointing in her life. So if you need healing today, we're going to pray for you later on and believe God for that miracle working power in your life. Pam also moves in the gifts of the Spirit, which I love. I think it's so nice when you just make room for the Spirit of God to move in in services and in your life. And I love that about you, Pam. Thank you. (laughs) So um, you are married to Reverend Walt Bollinger. And, of course, he's just a fine gentleman. He always looks so handsome and so nice, dresses so well for church. I love that. (laughs) And um, y'all founded a church in Indianapolis, Indiana, and pastored for 25 years. And that church Mm -hmm. was Life Unlimited Church. And I know it was inner city. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, we started our church actually in our garage. We started out with a youth ministry and then the parents needed ministry. And we ended up having a church. We started in our garage and it wasn't that big of a garage. And when 70 people were in, crammed in that garage, it was pretty close, too close. You know, you, you knew whether somebody had their right guard on or not. But anyway, it was, it was very close. And so we started looking for a building and um, we, we 
I found one not too far from where we lived, which was out in the suburbs, drove by it. And I said, that's where I want our church to be. And we called the man who had the building and uh, he we, we told him what we could afford to pay. And he laughed. And uh, he said, I couldn't, I could not possibly rent you that building for that price. And he really wasn't like a real spiritual man. He did, I think, go to Episcopal church uh, on Easter and Christmas or something. But I mean, he really did not seem all that impressed. And, and so I just kept driving by that building. And I'm saying, I call you into our ministry in the name of Jesus. Our church is going to be in that building. And um, so he calls back a about probably six weeks after our original conversation and says, I have to rent that building to you. He said, I had a dream and in this vision, in this dream, there was a church in there. I have to rent it to you for whatever price you can afford to pay. And we're like, Oh, go God, praise the Lord. You know, so we into this building. And then as our ministry was uh, getting established and we, we were there for a couple of years, we really felt but the Lord was calling us to minister to the poor in the inner city. And so we went into the inner city. We drove around. We found the building that we liked. We talked to the people who had it. It wasn't on the market with an agent at that point in time. It was just them selling it personally. They didn't want any part of us. They were apostolic. We weren't. We were weird. And so they just kind of wrote us off, you know. Well, the funny thing is, Dr. Scarlett, that the building that we were looking at there and wanting to move into, when my husband was a child, he lived right behind that church. And he was a Methodist and they were, you know, they were uh, apostolic. Anyway, he would run over there and he would open that church door. He knew they spoke in tongues. He didn't know anything about speaking in tongues. But he would open that door and he would go and run off and hide behind the cars. Okay, so fast forward quite a few years and we're trying to buy that building for our church. So we we were believing God for it. It was a a very challenging neighborhood, to say the least. The building had formerly been uh, the the church for Jim Jones, the Jim Kool-Aid Jim Jones uh, had ministered. So it had some stigma. And anyway, we didn't care. But we wanted that building. So they finally listed it with a realtor. We had the opportunity to buy it, but we had no money, honey. Mm -hmm. And so we started a building fund at the church. And we had one of those signs where the thermometer rises as the money comes in. And the thermometer hit a certain spot and it stalled out. And so... I got up one night to make the announcement about the building fund, which, you know, you had to really bolster your faith for that because it was not looking too good in the time was running out. So I got up on a Wednesday night service and I said, I'm just walking up there to make an announcement about the building fund. And and we were trying to believe God for the down payment on this building. See, well, walking to the pulpit, God says, I want you to tell the people that it it doesn't take any more effort to have full payment faith than it does down payment faith. So I told them, wow, I mean, they really looked at me like I just flew in from Venus. And um, (laughs) but there was one little old lady who I mean, I don't know, I guess a lot of churches have one, but she was kind of wacky. And um, (laughs) she raised her hand up and she said, amen, Sister Pam, I see it. Well, if the wacky lady agrees with you, that just validates the fact that you're not. So anyway, but I knew what God said. Long story short, 
we sent out flyers and somehow or other, one of them got to Brother Kenneth Copeland. He was up in the mountains praying and we had volunteered with his ministry and helped for like seven years. Walt did the ushering. I did the VIP seating. We'd do anything. I'd work the book table. We'd clean the airplane, you know, whatever. And we loved that. And so uh, Brother Copeland was in the mountains praying and God was dealing with him to invest more in helping the poor. And he, I don't know how, I will never, I don't know, maybe until we get to heaven, know how, but he found out about it. And so they called and, and they asked uh, Barry Tubbs, you know, Barry, he yeah. called and said, asked me a bunch of questions about it. And I'm like, I'd answered him and everything. And he's like, well, we just wanted you to know that we here at Kenneth Copeland Ministries are praying for you. And like, whoa, baby, that's cool. You know, I didn't say sure. quite those words to him, you know, but that's what I was thinking. So anyway, um, we had like the next day, Pastor Walt got a phone call and it was Brother Copeland's secretary. And she said, we just want you to know that Brother Copeland is sending you a check to buy that building. And, oh. and, and it was like awestruck on the phone. And she's like, uh, Pastor Bullinger, are you still there? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. He said, I'm a believer and I ain't believing this. <laughs> and, God. But anyway, Brother Copeland did. We got to church. We, I mean, we, we had stigma when we moved, when we were getting ready to move in, just preparing the building, getting it ready to have services. The neighborhood um, little sweethearts came and killed something and painted our church with blood and left a heart on the doorstep to let us know what they thought about us getting in there. A lot of gangs and stuff in that area. But, you know, it's like when you're young and full of faith, it's you just blow that stuff off and you kind of laugh at it. And so we moved in and we really saw the power of God in that neighborhood, in the inner city. When we were reaching out. We would do all kinds of outreach things to be visible in the community. And uh, we had we had clown shows, but we'd always have altar calls and preaching with whatever we did. And so we had a lot of people saved. And anyway, we we did a lot out there. And uh, God used that building there in the inner city. And the Holy Spirit moved. People were healed. People were people who had been third generation welfare ended up getting good jobs, buying their own homes and things oh, like that. So it was wonderful. Oh, I know. It's so good to see people transformed like that, out, especially is. out of poverty. Amen. Mm. It's beautiful. Amen. Um, I bet your congregation came alive when you told them about building, <laughs> about being paid for. Praise God. They did. It was a huge, huge move of, you know, a huge bolster to their faith. Sure. They, uh, and the amazing thing was that none of them were inner city people, but they all, and that was one of the things that Barry Tubbs asked me, he said, is your congregation with you in this? I said, they all are. They, every mm-hmm. single one has this vision and is excited about it. So mm-hmm. they were thrilled. That's beautiful. I love that. And then during that time, some, you were um, pretty pretty regularly hosting Trinity Broadcasting Network Praise the Lord show. So can yeah, you talk we, about that? We want to hear. <laughs> well, I we loved that. And and we were a little different than than your normal host because if the spirit of God was moving and we had a guest on there that was flowing in a healing anointing or whatever, we'd move the furniture and we would have a prayer line and I mean we had we had the power of God on those programs and the gifts of the spirit would flow. I remember one time the Lord told me there's a lady named 
Thelma that I'm healing her eyes right now. And I, that was the first time that I had ever heard anything like that in spirit. And I'm like, Golly, you know, can I say that? And so I kind of, I kind of just, I watered it down a little and I said, well, there's someone watching today. Your name is Thelma and God's touching your life right now. And so the neat thing about TBN is the prayer calls are coming in while you're live and then they're bringing them to you at, at you know, at different times. And, and there it is. There's Thelma and God's healing her eyes, you know. So okay. it was one of the things that God used to help get us, um, move, you know, comfortable more and moving in those type of, of gifts of the spirit. Praise God. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, so you have, um, well, let me, I want to back up a little bit because I think it's so neat how you and Walt met. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, some people are wanting husbands or husbands yeah. wanting wives if, if men are listening. And so I think it's neat and how, how God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> okay. Well, here we go. Walt and I grew up five blocks from each other. We did not know each other. We had never met. There were three good looking boys living in his house and I had never met any of them. That in itself was quite amazing because I thought I had scoped out the neighborhood quite well, but I hadn't seen them. So uh, we, one night I was with my girlfriend and we were driving down the road really late at night. I was a wild child. And um, we were driving down the road late at night and um, I was in a little bit of a hurry. Speed limit was 40. I was running about 80. And uh, <laughs> nobody on the street but me, I thought. And, um, oh, my gosh, it's probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning at that point in time. So next thing I know, the thing you don't want to see, those lights are behind me. And um, so he pulls me over and I, I mean, he's like, I'm driving my girlfriend's car. And so it starts out as um, he's going to tell he's telling her, he's like, do you know that I could write you a ticket for permitting a violation? This is your car and you're in here and you're letting her drive like that. Well, Judy opens her mouth and says, you can't do that. And I turned to her. I said, shut your mouth. You don't tell a cop. He can't. You know, so I was just all peaches and cream and nice and everything. And so he had my driver's license. Well, he was also a special burglary detail officer. Yeah. And so he had a run to cover a burglary. He had to leave. He says, I want you to stay right here. He gave me my driver's license back. I want you to stay right here. I'm only going to write you a warning ticket, but I've got to go check out this burglary on this building. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so uh, as soon as his taillights cleared my vision, I was on the other side of town. Went by the time he came back. But I ran into him again later at, at a White Castle where all the kids used to hang out. Anyway, long story short, he asked me out. I said, no. I told him. I was like 19 at that point. I said, I do not go out with any man under 40 years old. They don't know who they are or what they want in life. And uh, I, I didn't tell him this, but I always said I would never marry a cop or a preacher because they don't have any money. And uh, he's both, you know, so I ended up with both, two in one. But anyway, we got together after, and, and finally after him asking me out literally about a thousand times, I agreed to go out with him and uh, it was the best decision I ever made, but we weren't saved. We, and we were both fiery, 
you know, a little rascal. So we had some rough times. But in the midst of that, I, I one night I got Bibles out. He was working the night shift. I got Bibles out and laid them out on the table. I was reading scriptures. And I read the one from Revelation says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold because you're lukewarm. I'll spit you out of your mouth. But we had both been raised in church. We knew there was a God and so forth. But did not, you know, have a commitment to him. So anyway, I read these scriptures and I just prayed and made a commitment of my life to Jesus right there in the kitchen. When he got off work at seven in the morning, I just laid all of this on him, everything that I had read. Well, he committed his life to the Lord that morning. And so um, it, it was beautiful. God did a beautiful, beautiful change in our lives. <laughs> That's so neat. I think it's wonderful how y'all met. He pulled you over. <laughs> Yeah, I tell people that I got out of that ticket by taking the life sentence. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, now you've written a book, and the name of that book is God Has a Miracle with Your Name on It. Yes, yes. Um, Somebody asked me at the last uh, women's meeting we did together, you had a little game where you you were supposed to tell what were your hobbies. and. I said, my hobby is miracles. (laughs) And I I just really, God thrust us into the miracle ministry very early in our ministry. We were, uh, we were pastoring our church. I'd been raised Baptist. He had been raised Methodist, but we got baptized in the Holy Ghost by Elvis. And uh, now you want to know about that, don't you? Yeah. I I never heard anybody speak in tongues. I'd never been to a full gospel church. And um, I, but I was reading my Bible. I read about tongues. And so I'm like, I want that. I want that. And so there was this preacher on the radio named Elvis. And uh, I didn't know who he was or anything, but I don't, it had to be a spirit of God. But I just knew that that man spoke in tongues. I just knew it. So he had a phone number on the end of his show. I called him up. He answers the phone. I said, do you speak in tongues? And he said, yes. I said, I want to do that. He, he's like, well, who are you? You know, I'm like, well, anyway, we had a uh, conversation and he kind of felt us out. He's like, well, I think you're ready right now. I said, I do too. He said, uh, what about your husband? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to call him at work. And I said, we're going to come over there. And so I called Wall at work and I said, you got to come home right now. We're going to go get the Holy Ghost. And he's like, what? I said, we're going to speak in tongues. And he's like, what What are you talking about? I said, you don't have time to talk to me on the phone. You just come home, pick me up. We've got an appointment set. We're going to go get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we go to Elvis's house and um, (laughs) we have another couple there. And they are like these overzealous Pentecostal, breathe it in, speak it out, hold on, turn loose, shake you, move your mouth. I mean, whatever it takes, you know. And our little daughter was with us. She was, the one that got me was a lady. She was a little calmer, but the ones that were on Walt were like, they were like, wow. I mean, just wild. And so our daughter looks up and she starts crying because she thinks they're beating up her daddy. And so anyway, (laughs) but long story short, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. So that, that changed our ministry. And then we were going to brother, we helped with brother Copeland's ministry, like I said, for several years. And, we were, when we were supposed to start our church, we, we, um, he called us out and he prophesied over us and like right down the line said, I'll answer every question that we had. He didn't really even know us. And then a few months, about six months later, he said, 
uh, you have never allowed yourselves to realize and recognize the depth of the calling that God has on your life because it's not a common thing. It's an uncommon thing. And in just a few days, there's going to become an explosion of that power in your ministry. And so, yeah, it's like, wow. So as it turned out a few days after that, we were we hosted for 17 years uh, summer camps for inner city kids. We would take them for a week and just really pour the word of God into them and they'd have fun and everything. So we went to camp. We had a wonderful week. And um, this was just, I think, I mean, no more than six or seven days after Brother Copeland had said that. And um, my husband, we had had wonderful people getting saved and we'd had wonderful speakers and the week was winding down. He was getting up to kind of give the closing comments. He didn't have anything. Nothing came to his spirit. And so he was feeling a little nervous. And when he walked up to the pulpit, the power of God so filled that room that the glory cloud completely filled the place. You, I mean, it was like, it was thick and yeah. think miracles just start happening one after another, after another. If you, I mean, what the minute you would say it, it would happen. And like, if you would say baptism, the Holy spirit before people could even get to the front to receive that, they'd be falling in the aisles speaking in tongues. There were, I mean, like there was one lady that I went over and just, touched her with one finger and she had been in an accident and the bones in her body started popping and cracking and coming. Mm-hmm. Her body was just, and this went on for like two hours. And then at one point my husband looked up and this, this chapel was out in the middle of the woods, not like where people could walk in off the street. It was in a private camp in the middle of the woods. And so my husband looks up and it's like the whole chapel is lined down both sides with people. And he's like, where did all these people come from? And he looks at them and they're all dressed in white and Mm -hmm. they were angels and they would move. You'd never actually see them move. I think angels move faster than what our vision can actually see. But they would move from one place to the other in that room as we would be ministering to somebody or as groups of these children will be down on the floor with their hands raised, just worshiping God. They'd be at the wall. Then they'd be over by that group. Then they'd be back at the wall in another one. And this just went on for quite some time. So we were thrust into the miracle ministry. And it's just been amazing, you know, ever since. And so your book kind of came out of that. It did. I, um, I, I, I do some teaching in the book and then I link actual um, healings and miracles and things that we have seen. I'll tell you, Dr. Scarlett, it's like, one night at church, my husband was preaching on um, God meeting your needs. You know, the fish in the coin in the fish's mouth, so to speak. The next Wednesday night, we come to church. I kid you not, there was a dog sitting in front of the church. Our little girl starts playing with this dog. We go on in the church. The next thing I know, she comes in with this full of money, and she says, "The dog." We were like, where'd you get that? She's like, the dog, the dog brought me a bag of money. <laughs> God confirms his word with signs following, right? <laughs> so, so it turned out that that money was a, a deposit bag from a local business that someone had dropped. And mm-hmm. so that the dog picked it up and brought it to her. Well, uh, we get, of course, returned it. We had a nice, hefty reward given to the church for bringing it back. Most people wouldn't have, you know, but just things like that are in the book. Miracle stories, funny stories. Um, 
and scriptures and teaching to, you know, really get you to where you're in the posture to believe it. Because I'm thinking of the scripture, Psalm 78, 19, it says, yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Mm-hmm. And as I read that, can God? What if they had just reversed those words and said, God can. God yeah. can. And that's, there's, there's only two kinds of people. There's the God can or the can God. You know, yeah. it's like oh, believers. Yeah. And something about the can God, they kind of get this nasal thing with can God, you know, and it's like, okay, no, he probably can't for you, darling. But, you know, let's keep in your faith till you can say God can. And if we just get that God can mentality, I have a little acronym for faith. And it is this finding all in trusting him. And that's that's where it's at for, for all of us. Yes, it sure is. Um, I like that about uh, you're bringing up that financial miracle because many times our minds go to physical miracles, you know, physical healing miracles when we hear the word miracle. But um, there were times, and you mentioned one while ago with the coin in the fish's mouth, there were many times where there were financial miracles. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, we need to remember both uh, physical miracles and of course, you know, financial miracles too, especially nowadays when the economy is so unsure and things, uh, people are very fearful and uh, it's just good to be able to trust the Lord, isn't it, for provision and financial miracles. And another thing I like about that, your book, is with your name on it, because I think people generally believe in miracles, but if if you would say to them, well, this miracle is for you, they might say, oh, I don't deserve that. Or, you know, I've done too many awful things or, you know, whatever. But it's yeah. nice that you you made it personal um, mm-hmm. for, for those who re- read it, you know. Well, you remember, I'm sure, when uh, Dr. Oral Roberts used to always say, your miracle is either coming towards you or going past you every day, you know. And I, I believe that's how that's how. Our lives are. We can reach out and grab them, or we can explain them away, or we can busy ourselves with the things of the world to where we don't even realize that that miracle is there. And and right now, right this instant, as we are speaking, there's somebody named Sharon, and God is going to do a financial miracle in your life within the next 30 days. So you receive that. Mix faith with that. Say, oh, right, God can. God can. Yeah. Glory to God. He sure can. Yes. Take hold of that. If that's for you, take hold of it. Praise the Lord. He's always moving and he's always so good. And he wants to do good things for everyone. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Yes. My book, the, the theme scripture of my book is Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? And of course, there's not. But I think people, a lot of times people are trying to learn formulas or if I can memorize enough scriptures or I can this or I can that. And all those things are good. You know, I like like to do my best to keep all my little ducks in a row, quacking out the right confessions and scriptures and all that. I like that. That's important. (laughs) But um, the, the... 
the true the true power comes in the intimate relationship with him. And that is to me, if, if anyone asks me what's the most important thing in your life, I would say is intimacy with God. And when I was nine years old, I would go in the Lutheran church and I would it, there was no one there. And back then they could leave the churches unlocked and you could come in and pray and stuff. But I would just sit there and I would just it would be I didn't know what it was, Dr. Scarlett. I really didn't, but I would feel this strong presence on me. And I thought, as a kid, I thought, well, this is just an ambiance of this building, you know. But it, it wasn't. It was the presence of God yeah. would meet me. really didn't know him. I didn't know what to do, but I would just sit there. And then when they started locking the church, I would go to the custodian's house and make him get the key and unlock the church and let me in so I could sit there. But I, and one time I brought my friends with, with me. I was so excited about what I felt there, and I wanted them to experience it too. And um, they came in, and they sat there for 30 seconds, and they started talking and giggling. And, and I knew, it was, even as a child, I said, let's just go because you're never going to – it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so. I, I really believe that that what God was trying to show me when I was nine years old, that, that intimacy with him, uh, sure. my very favorite scripture says for my determined purpose, this is from the Amplified Bible. My determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and understanding and recognizing the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And out of that, that out of that, you know, I find that my confessions and my declarations and all take on a new dimension when I'm making them in his presence. It's almost like he's making them through me. And there, I don't have to struggle for faith because I want to be in his presence and everything in my life to flow out of that, of, of knowing him, worshiping him of being in a close relationship with him uh, i remember that in psalm 27 4 one thing have i desired of the lord that will i seek after that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the lord and to inquire in his temple that's the one thing if you if anybody asks him what's the one thing if you could only share one thing what would it be would be that intimacy with yeah. God. And uh, Thomas Edison said, most men think of many things every day. I think of one thing. Yeah. And uh, if there's someone today who's watching and they don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, I would say right now, that's the one thing. Your life may be a complete mess. You may have answers, that I mean, problems that you think there are no answers for. But if you'll just invite Jesus today, say, Lord Jesus, I bring my life to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me. I commit myself to living to Jesus for Jesus all the days of my life. Yes. He will change it. He will turn it around. And he's the only one who can. It's true. It is true. And in his presence, you probably felt it when you were nine. There's peace. You know, mm -hmm. and the world, you can't get that anywhere in the world, that peace mm -hmm. that comes on us when we're in his presence. It's so powerful, isn't it? And it's, it, is. it ministers to our 
our spirit, our soul, and our body, and goes beyond then there and, and ministers to our relationships and, you know, everything else. Um, I thank mm-hmm. God for his peace. And I know that you've been through some really difficult things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, somebody watching you today might say, well, you've never been through anything. <laughs> Sometimes they think preachers don't go through things. But I, I know some personal things that you have been through and um, come and you've come through them. And mm-hmm. I think that um, it'd be great if you could share a little bit of that, just in case somebody is right in the middle of trouble today and they don't okay. see a way out. OK, um, well, I, I'll just give you a real quick um, synopsis of what 2020 was to us. I know for a lot of people. It was a hard time. It was shutdowns. It was COVID. It was just, mm-hmm. just you know, yeah. loss of jobs, loss of income. It, it was very, very hard for a lot of people. Our 2020 started out early, the, in the early months of the year. My husband had a type A flu virus, which it really wasn't being talked about that much, but it actually had killed 60,000 people. Mm. And um, he was hospitalized with that flu virus. And he was in there for a week and it was, it was rough. It was, it was very, very rough. So he came home and a few, oh, I don't think it was even a month after that. He was outside and he he just got dizzy and he fell and he hit his head on the concrete on the sidewalk. He was coming out to the mail and I mean, busted up his arm, his ribs, his knee was wide split open. He hit his head. We took him, the, the mailman actually was coming up the street, and he's a big, burly guy, and he helped me get him up, and uh, we got him to the hospital, and they sewed him up and took care of all of those injuries, but in the process, they did a full PET scan to try to find out if there were any other things that they weren't seeing, so they found cancer. They didn't mm-hmm. say that it was cancer there, but they found a big lump down in his throat. Mm-hmm. And he, um, they ran the scope thing down his throat and showed it to us. And it was, it was awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really bad. And I think everybody kind of knew it was cancer, but they don't want to give you that information in sure. the uh, emergency room. So they scheduled him with a, a doctor or they gave us the name of a doctor that they highly recommended. And so I called that doctor and I said, uh, I call his receptionist. I said, I, my husband really wants to come to this doctor. And um, can you get him in? I told her his situation. She's like, I'm sorry. The doctor won't be taking any new patients for several months. Mm. I'm like, okay. So I hung up. I booked another appointment with another doctor that was on the list that they had given us. And this doctor just very quickly looked at him and said, well, we're just going to go in there. We're just going to cut that thing out. And then we'll send it to pathology and see what it is. And so the schedule, the surgery was scheduled and we were at a Billy Burke meeting and, and Pastor Billy called us aside and he said, he said, he was going to pray for a while. He said, are you going for treatment at the place you really want to go? And we were both just silent. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, Holy Ghost, what are you doing here? He said, I said, are you going where you really want to go? And I said, no. I said, the place where we really wanted to go said they couldn't take him. So um, we, he prayed. And, and anyway, I got the courage to do that, to call that doctor back and, uh, where we wanted to be. And I, yeah. I said, my 
husband just really wants wants the, wants this doctor to to be his doctor to take care of him whatever and anyway she's like that was like on March third or something and she said how about March tenth I'm like all right so we went in there long story short Doctor Scarlett. That doctor told him he set him up for radiation. And I said, are there any other options? I said, surgery. He said, oh, no. He said, if you were to do surgery on this, he said, it would have to take out part of your tongue. (gasps) He would never be able to talk. He would never be able to eat. He would be on a feeding tube and he would just sit and drool. So, I mean, it's like the Holy Ghost, you know, inspired that through Pastor Billy Burke for us to reach in another direction. Right. And, you know, the Holy Ghost is so good. He'll, yes. He just speaks on so many things if we're willing to listen. And yeah. so anyway, he went through the treatments and it was long and it was hard. And he had to go to radiation every single day mm-hmm. for seven weeks. And it was hard. And he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And then mm-hmm. finally, radiation was over and he um, was kept getting sicker. And sicker and sicker. And at the same time, I am violently ill with COVID. And I'm trying to help him and yet trying to keep everything clean and, and you know, not touch him or, or, or things so it won't spread. Anyway, finally, he just, he was just so sick and so weak that he had to go to the hospital. And my daughter took him and he had pneumonia. And in the hospital, uh, they loaded him with morphine. Mm-hmm. and we would talk to him. He didn't even know where he was. He didn't know what was going on. And we had to get him out of there. He came home. He was so addicted to morphine that he couldn't even hold a cup or anything. It would just shake violently. He couldn't make a sentence. His his mind was so blurred. And, his, it, it, and it took several weeks to come off of that morphine. But that, I, I just thank God we got him out of that hospital. And, you know, before, who knows what could have happened. But anyway... Yeah. We had that, and um, it was hard. It was very, very hard. And then our daughter had been in a very successful battle with cancer, and she had really kept her lifestyle going. But then all of a sudden, everything turned to the worst. Mm-hmm. And so basically, by the time we got up there, we got to the hospital, um, my other daughter asked the nurse, she said, how long do you stop? She said, if you get her out of here, she will probably have three weeks. If you don't, with the amount of morphine that they're giving her, she'll be gone. Mm-hmm. And she said, I would recommend you get her out. So we spent most of that time with her. And, um, of course, you know, we, we were believing God, we were praying and everything mm-hmm. and, and speaking the word and, and she was expecting to be healed. But there came a point in time, and, and I think that this is important. There came a point in time, just right before she died, that the Lord told me, release her. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And it was so at that point, I was not well myself and I was at home. And she was on the phone with me, and she couldn't talk anymore. She was just in so much pain. But I, I heard the words "ma" and "love," and um, so that you know this is hard. But um, I believe this can help people. Anyway, I said, Natalie, I said, 
she because hospice said we've never seen anybody fight death like her we've never seen anyone fight like her mm-hmm. she was just refusing to die and the reason was because her kids and her husband were not right with God. And uh, so anyway, I said, Natalie, I said, I want you to know that you can go ahead and go if you want. And we will pray for your husband. We will pray for your kids. We will not forget. Yeah. And within 15 minutes, she was gone. Oh, so, wow. That you know, I and I'll tell you, Doctor Scarlett. One of the things that came to my mind was many, many years ago, we were at uh, Kenneth Copeland's mom and dad's house, and uh, well, I was young then. And he said, "Pam," he said, um, it, it, "Kenneth's dad was very just kind of slow talking, but man, he car- he carried a punch with what he said." He said, "Pam," he said, "When you're young like you, he said, you think in life." Oh, if this would happen or that would happen, I couldn't stand it. He said, you live long enough that all those things do happen and you find out that God carried. And uh, isn't that beautiful? It's so beautiful. And that, it came back to me. And and there was a scripture that it was funny because I um, was, this scripture from Psalm 112.7, it says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings, for his heart is fixed, trusting mm-hmm. in the Lord. Oh, yeah. That was my scripture through the whole time. And it was funny because, once again, Pastor Billy Burke had his secretary call me and say, tell Pam this is the scripture for her and Walt. Gave, gave me that very scripture. But uh, I, I love that scripture. And, you know, I, I picture it like this. When, when something, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings, his heart is fixed. Fixed. Trusting in the Lord. And I and I, I shared this at Grace Harvest one night. I, I I brought a picture of a sign that was, I think it said, don't park here. And it's out in the middle of the ocean, just about. The waves have, or waves are hitting it. And it's, you know, it's been battered by the wind. But that sign is fixed. And that's what I told people. You have to have your faith, your heart fixed as in concrete. Trusting yeah. in the Lord. And then if the winds can blow and the waves can batter. But if your heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord, and you might say, well, how, okay, I hear you, but how do you do that? I'd say, first of all, what I said before, intimacy with God. Get yeah. in his presence, worship him, praise him, just give him the honor. Meditate on the word, speak the word. Declare life, declare health, declare victory in whatever situation you are going through and stay there in his presence, fixed in a fixed place, trusting in the Lord. And yeah. and you'll come through it. I, I had a little girl who was a friend of my daughter's. I call her a little girl. She's not a little girl. She's probably 40 years old. A little girl to me. Um, <laughs> but she lost her daughter. And um she contacted me. I didn't really didn't know her. She said, I know that of, of all people, if anyone could say something to me, you could. She said, we believed for my daughter's healing. And her daughter was just a young girl. And mm-hmm. we believed for her healing. We confessed her healing. We claimed her healing. We spoke the word. She believed the word. She died. We even tried to bring her back with the word of God. And it didn't work. What do I do? I said, Stop tormenting yourself with unanswerable questions. Right. That is 
your first step. Don't sit there and say, why, 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 why? Because you're never going to have those answers. You're right. just, and then I told her about, you know, having her heart fixed, trusting the Lord and so forth. But so many times, and, and it can be over the death of a loved one, or it can be over our finances. It can be over, why didn't I get that position? Or what, you know, it can be over anything. We have, yeah. we just replay unanswerable questions instead of just trusting the Lord. And that's the only way out. Yeah. That's really good, Pam. That's so important. And he does somehow, he makes it all right. You know, when we think I can never get over this or I'll never be able to, you know, how our mind goes to never, the nevers. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. I can never recover from this tragedy or or, or whatever. And and uh, he does, he does it. And maybe that's, that's maybe that's a miracle, right? He does it. So. He does it. Yeah. I, it's it's like you can't turn anything to a, into a formula and say it's because I did this or I did that because your formula is going to flop very soon yeah. if that's your attitude because it's all it's all about him. It's in him. It's through him. It, it, I love the way uh, Pastor David teaches on the grace of God. It's, it, it's, it's all about the finished work. Of Jesus, it's not about us, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, our confessions, our anything. It's all about are we fixed? Is our heart trusting in Him? And if it is, it's going to be all right. It may not feel like it right now. It's going to be all right. That's right. That's so good. Well, would you pray for people right now before we close? I think it would be nice because I think that you've described what somebody might be going through right this second and um so yeah just feel free to pray however okay father we just worship you we just love you you, your presence is so beautiful we just acknowledge you in all our ways and we're hungry for you god we we make you the one thing that is foremost in our lives and we turn Mm -hmm. to you and father there are people watching today who are going through horrific things, who are fighting the spirit of fear, who in this these days where where uncertainty surrounds us, they're not they don't know what to do. There's some fighting sickness, and right now we just send the word to them. We yes. decree and declare the sickness and disease goes in Jesus' name. Yes. And that's cancer. I talked about cancer, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. One one or more of you. You are going through the same thing. And right now we just speak to that cancer and say, be gone in Jesus. Be gone. We say by Jesus stripes, we are healed. And Lord, I believe for people who are having financial situations that they're going to fix their hearts on you and trust in you and obey you. And that things are going to turn around to them. Father, We just pray for a mighty outpouring of your spirit, of your spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, I believe uh, that you are ready to turn things around by your power, not by might, but by your, not by human might, but by your power and your spirit, God. And so I just pray for that. And Father, I want to thank you right now for Dr. David and Dr. Scarlett Horton. And Father, I just believe for the days ahead to open before them in miraculous ways. God, they've both been faithful 
all their lives. And Father, I just say blessing, blessing upon them in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, for letting me be a part of this podcast. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will just use this to the praise of your glory. It's all about you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. I appreciate that (laughs) prayer. And I know others do too. Thank you, Pam, for being on the podcast today. And um, we'll do it again. We'll do it again sometime. (laughs) All righty. All righty. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Well, I hope you received everything you needed today. I know I did. I um, I received quite a few things from that and I'm going to, uh, fix my trust on the Lord. I'm going to fix, you know, that's that's something when you decide to take a position like that and you're determined to take that position. um, I think that God honors that and thinks that's beautiful because he always wants us uh, looking to him. He wants to be everything to us. So why not let him be everything? Um, Until next time, we believe that you're walking in help and prosperity and abundance and blessing. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time. God bless. Well, thank you for tuning in today to uh, this podcast. We have another one coming up. In fact, it's every other week, the first and third Friday. Hopefully this has spoken to you. If you would like to, we have a magazine. It's called Grace and Faith Journal. And it comes out once a quarter, and we'd love to send that to you. It has interesting articles, and then it tells what we're doing at Horton Ministries International to help people and to minister people around the world. If you want to email us at office at scarlethorton.com, then you can uh, give us your address. We can send you our Grace and Faith magazine. And if you're in Tampa, Florida, come see us at Grace Harvest Church. We passed our local church here. Uh, But we mainly want to pray for you uh, and encourage you. So, uh, again, if you need prayer, email us for prayer. We'd love to do that. And uh, tune in next time. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.